0: Welcome to Atmosphere Church. My name is Jim Cruz and I'm the lead pastor. We're a new non-denominational life-giving church located in the Conejo Valley, just west of Los Angeles. Let me just say on behalf of all of us here at Atmosphere, thank you for downloading or streaming this service. We pray that it'll touch your heart and change your life. In addition to bringing you today's service, we want to make ourselves available to you in any way we can. Please leave a comment if you need prayer or if you want to speak with one of our leaders in any struggle that you may be facing right now. We will be sure to respond to anything you need in your life. Here at Atmosphere, we believe that we should never forsake the gathering together with other believers. Don't use this recorded service as your church experience. Get involved in the local church to the extent that the people there know you by name. If you live in the Southern California area, we would love to invite you to be a part of our community. For more information about our church, go to our official webpage at atmosphere.church. Finally, there's a lot of man hours that are put behind making services and resources like this available that are meant to help you grow and develop as a disciple of Jesus Christ. So if this service and our other resources bless you, would you consider giving back to Atmosphere Church to support not just these things, but to also support the creation of even more resources for you and really for others who are also desiring to grow in their faith. To make a financial donation, simply click on the link on our site that says donate, and your gift of any amount is greatly appreciated. Remember, when you give to Atmosphere Church, you're actually giving through Atmosphere to change lives in our church, in our city, and literally around the world. We've already prayed for you that today's message would speak directly to your heart and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. Enjoy the service. Wow. It is full in here. There's a lot of you guys that showed up for church. But what a great Sunday for you to choose to (laughs) go to church. Right there. Love that, man. That was just for you, bro. Yeah. Yeah, my name is Pastor Jim. I'm the lead pastor here of Atmosphere Church. And, uh, you know, we're all kind of new together. But I do want to recognize you Uh, If you are here for the very first time, it's just our honor that you are spending your Easter morning with us. So if this is your very first time attending Atmosphere Church, would you just raise your hand so we know who you are, where you're at? All right, great. Welcome, you guys. Welcome. Welcome to our church. We're really only a seven-month-old church, and so we're all new together And this is kind of weird having the stage uh, out here. I feel like I need to use it. I just wish it went all the way down so I could do a little catwalk, you know. (laughs) You know, I don't know. It's weird because I feel there are some churches that like the speakers in in the the middle there. But uh, this is uh, different for us. But I'm so honored that you guys are here this morning. We're talking about the resurrection today. I know some of you have never been to church. Maybe you've never been to a church like this, <laughs> shooting off confetti cannons and dancers and and uh, but I was pastoring in Las Vegas. So that should make sense to you <laughs> that we did this kind of stuff. Um, but we uh, we just, we want to celebrate because Jesus was dead and he came back to life and that was a game changer. But I started thinking about this particular moment as that video was showing where Peter and John were going to the tomb and they were discovering for the very first time that the tomb was empty. And I started imagining what their day was just the day before on Saturday. I mean, the dust was settled, Jesus had died, and that Saturday had to be a heavy day burden to carry. Because see, they had written a narrative of how Jesus was going to live his life and and how Jesus was going to do amazing things for God and bring God's kingdom. And, And they were expecting that they were going to be sitting at Jesus's right hand side and they were going to be part of his cabinet and they were going to have this new power that was going to overthrow the Roman authority that was occupying their area. And so they had written this script and then Jesus was crucified. And that Saturday. Can you imagine the heaviness of what they were going through inside of their own souls? That disappointment. You can relate to disappointment, can't you? I mean, all of us have had something happen in our life that we thought was going to go down a certain way, but then we started kind of getting into it, and then it didn't turn out the way we thought it was going to turn out, leaving that hole of disappointment. Matter of fact, you could probably remember a few times being disappointed in this life, but I started thinking about my own disappointments in life, and I remember my first memory of ever being disappointed. It takes me all the way back to kindergarten. And it was actually an Easter story because we were doing an Easter egg hunt. How many remember doing that as a little kid? And maybe you even did it with your kids this morning. And it was a special Easter egg hunt that the school was sponsoring. And they had one silver egg and it had all of the goodies inside of it. And I mean, our teacher did a good job. She talked up the silver egg. It was the the best thing that you could ever find. It's going to have all of these treasures in it. And I told my mom, who was volunteering, I said... I'm gonna find that egg. And I was convinced I was gonna find that egg. So as soon as the whistle blew and all the kids spread out, and we were looking over all of the areas of the kindergarten playground, it was probably three minutes in that I heard that dreaded voice of another fellow student. (laughs) I found the silver egg. It broke me. I I was in shock, because I knew I was gonna find it. And then this girl, I can't even remember her name, but I didn't like her after that. (laughs) She found it and she was so happy, but I was so crushed. My hopes and dreams were in that silver egg, and then somebody stole it from me. And I still think about that silver egg moment of my life. And I'm in therapy, so pray for me. (laughs) No, I'm just teasing. But it's, it's one thing to go through a disappointment as a kindergartner, as a five-year-old. It's a whole different thing to go through it as a 50-year-old. And we go through things in life that we didn't think we would ever go through. We, we keep asking ourselves, like, I, I, I never thought I would be in this position. Because, see, just like Peter and John, we, we've written narratives for our lives. And we're so convinced that these narratives are going to happen that when they don't, we get disappointed. And you can get so disappointed that you get stuck in that disappointment. And that disappointment can get so ingrained inside of your soul that you feel as though there's no way you're ever going to get out of this disappointment. I've even seen the extreme end of that to where what follows close behind a stuck disappointment is this feeling of hopelessness. And hopelessness can get so Big inside of somebody's mind that they feel as though there's no even reason to keep going. I might as well just end my life. And I'm not saying that the disciples were in a position where they wanted to end their life, but they were dealing with a major disappointment that was creating major hopelessness. But everything changed in a moment, the moment they saw that the tomb had been emptied. And we find this narrative in John chapter 20. If you have your Bibles, you can open it up. If you have a smartphone, you could pull it up on the Bible app or better than that. We have it on the screen that you could follow along in uh, John chapter 20. But let me pray this. Father, I thank you for this Easter message. I thank you, God, for this Easter gathering. I thank you for this new church, God. That, Lord, you gave us a vision to begin this church where people could experience God by following Jesus. I pray, Lord, that this morning people would experience you, perhaps maybe for the first time, become real to them. And I pray, Lord, that lives are changed, that people are healed today, God, that hope is reborn because of this message that they hear And we thank you in advance for how you're going to accomplish that. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. Amen. John chapter 20, it says Peter and the other disciple, who was John, who was writing this? So he didn't want to write his name. So he just said Peter and the other disciple started out for the tomb. And they were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter. Now imagine this. He's the one writing this, and he's saying, I want people thousands of years from now to be able to know who won, who got there first. He outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. And then Simon Peter arrived and went inside, and he also noticed the linen wrappings lying there while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first, there he is again, remember I I won, he went in and he saw and he believed, for until then they still hadn't understood the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead. This was the moment everything came together for these guys. They had heard Jesus giving the message, saying, hey guys, I'm going to be betrayed, they're going to kill me, but on the third day I'm going to rise again. And it just went over their head because they had already built the narrative of how it was going to go down. And so when God started doing things differently than what they had anticipated he was going to do, they missed God. And we still do this to this day. We have this preconceived idea of how God is going to move in our life. And then when he doesn't do it according to how we think he should move, we just dismiss it and say, God doesn't love me. He didn't do this for me. When in actuality, what God has in store for you is so much better than you could ever have in store for yourself because their narrative was so much inferior to the narrative that God built that he would raise from the dead and put the same power that raised Jesus from the dead inside of them. And everything changed in that moment. Not only was Jesus alive, hope was reborn in these guys Hope was reborn to all of the followers, that now death didn't have the final say-so. Up till that point, death had the final say-so in everything. And so it was the ultimate defeat. But the ultimate defeat was defeated and replaced by victory, and death was replaced by life. And things began shifting for the disciples. As a matter of fact, this was such a big moment for Peter that later on when he's writing his epistle. He references this when he's going through a hard time. In other words, this wasn't the last disappointment these guys faced. They continue to face disappointment. But now that they had this new perspective that was born that day, now they could go through disappointments completely differently. And so while he's suffering, while he's going through hardship because the the religious people of his time didn't like them following Jesus. And so they tried to stack the deck against him and had him arrested. And a lot of times they were, they were being persecuted and beaten. And so Peter writes this letter. And I love this because his reference point was back to this moment of the empty tomb. In 1 Peter chapter one, it says, let us give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of his great mercy, he gave us new life. By raising Jesus Christ from death, this fills us with a living hope. And so we look forward to possessing the rich blessings that God keeps for his people. He keeps them for you in heaven where they cannot decay or spoil or fade away. Peter's saying something happened to us that day. It wasn't just hope in the sense of what we would call optimism. And I don't know if you know a a real optimist friend in your life that, I mean, no matter what's going on, they're like, hey, we got this, man, no problem. The glass is always half full. How many have a friend like that, right? Or maybe you have the the friend that is the other way and that's always like down and stuff. I don't know. But we run a spectrum of personalities. And and I love even the the fact that Peter and John had different personalities. The fact that, that Peter... He's, you know, the first impulsive guy. He goes in first, right? John, he's like stepping back, and he's like not sure of this whole thing. He's going to look in. I think that's why he went out of his way to say he was first, because he felt guilty that he didn't go into the tomb first. He's like, at least I got there first. But I love this, because here's a, here's a, a different spectrum of personalities. you got Peter, who's the impulsive personality. He's the, he's the feeler. He just feels something, and he's just like, I'm going to do it. And then you've got John, who's got more of the thinker. He's, he's the one that's a little bit more cautious. And I love having c- talks and, and conversations with people uh, about faith and God, because there's some people, as soon as I start talking to them about God, immediately they feel something going, I need God in my life. But there's other people that are more like John that are, they want to think about it, and they want to process it a little bit more. And you know what? You're welcome to process this idea of faith today. We're we're not saying that you have to just sell out and just, you know, believe before you leave here. We we invite you to be a part of our community to see for yourself that Jesus is alive because I'm confident if you come back next week and the Sunday after that maybe even the Sunday after that you're going to see with your own eyes and you're going to experience with your own life the fact that Jesus is alive because he's showing up and he's still changing lives he's restoring families he's healing people that are in sickness the same Jesus that we read about here in the Bible is showing up every week and all you have to do is keep coming back and I'm telling you you're going to be just like John, and things are going to start making sense, and you're going to see for yourself that Jesus is alive, because you're going to see him moving on people's lives that you're going to church with. But I like this idea, because with the personality types that are out there, and you get these people that, that you know, they, uh, they, they look at their, their life, and they, they look at where they're at with their disappointment, and the fact is that this is hope with a heartbeat. This isn't just an optimist looking at a situation going, hey, it's going to have a good ending. No, this is living hope. This is an active hope. And it's living for two reasons. And if you're taking notes or you want to write this down, because I believe God is going to use this to speak to many of you. We've been praying over the service for months now. And I believe that you are here this morning because God had a divine appointment with you this morning. That he's looking to speak, not just to you, he's looking to speak to your soul. Because there are things your soul has been dealing with and you can't quite figure out why you're going through what you're going through. And God said, I want you to show up to Atmosphere Church on Sunday and things are gonna start making a lot more sense. So this living hope that we're talking about is active in the sense that it's it's two sides of the same coin. Number one is there's hope in death. This living hope that that. Peter was talking about that he wrote about it's hope and death because what Peter experienced himself with the linen wrappings the way they were they knew it wasn't just a grave robber coming in to steal the body of Jesus so that somebody could put Jesus out like a trophy he knew the way the linen wrappings were laying there in the tomb that there had to be a resurrection That's why John, he writes it in the way he does. He wants us to know as readers that this wasn't just happenstance that somebody just kind of took his body and left the wrappings there. No, they wanted us to know that it was a supernatural thing that took place in that tomb. And that's why it was described that way. And so now Peter's looking at this saying, hey, all bets are off. When, when you die, you can actually live again. And I'm imagining that John, he's remembering the encounter that Jesus had with his friend Lazarus where Lazarus was dead. And Lazarus' sisters who were friends with Jesus, they were upset that Jesus was MIA when their brother died. Jesus was working miracles and all of a sudden Jesus disappears and their own brother gets sick and he dies. And so Jesus is coming back to visit Lazarus and God again had a way better ending to the story than Martha or Mary Lazarus' sisters could ever invent for themselves. And Jesus shows up and he talks to one of his sisters. And this is what he says in John chapter 11. He says this, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Now Jesus wasn't talking about a physical death here. He was talking about eternal life. That when your body dies, your soul actually continues to keep living. Now, I could spend probably two hours giving you guys example after example of near-death experiences, scientific evidence, researchers, I mean, guys with all kinds of initials behind their name, giving us proof that there's something that happens to the human soul after one dies. That there is some kind of a a transformation that takes place and people have come back from the dead and they've talked about it and a lot of these stories just really kind of come together and, and there's a common denominator with a, a lot of them and the fact of how God shows up and how relatives that have died before before them show up it's amazing but besides what the Bible says and besides what research tells us on let me tell you something my own personal experience I was at the bedside of my mom when she passed away in 2013 of Alzheimer's. And I saw her physically take her last breath on earth. But my mom loved Jesus, and she believed in him. And she followed him. She led our nursery ministry at our church in Bakersfield for years. And I knew that her time was coming to an end. And I actually prayed. I said, God, I don't want to see my mom suffer anymore. And as Hard as it is to say goodbye, I knew that my mom had a new body waiting for her when she died. I'm convinced of it, not because the Bible tells me so. I knew from the funerals that I've done and the families that I've walked with, even our own family, having uh, uh, other people close to me die, including my own sister when I was 10 years old. But I I look at this experience of somebody that dies and, and they leave this earth and then they go on to eternity and know that this isn't you know that people have been dying from the beginning of time and even back in the biblical times even with Christians people were wondering like well now that we're believers are we going to just live forever and Paul says this this is how he writes the letter he says "Uh, and now dear brothers and sisters we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so that you will not grieve like people who have no hope for since We believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again. We also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who've died. In other words, this is an experience that all of us are gonna go through. But you don't have to fear it. You don't have to dread it. Whether it's yourself or a loved one that passes, if you have your foundation and life settled on Jesus Christ, that you believe in him, that he is the only way to heaven, that if you have Jesus, you have eternal life. And your last breath on earth will be the first breath in heaven. And I know some people are not comfortable with dying. Matter of fact, it is the second most dreaded fear that people have. The first dreaded fear, do you know what it is? Doing what I'm doing right now, public speaking. (laughs) So next time you wanna threaten somebody, don't say, I'm gonna kill you. Say, I'm gonna make you speak in front of people. It's going to be more threatening. <laughs> i will just say it, I don't know. But you, you, think, you think about this, and, and maybe some of you, you know, if you were to die today, it, you're uncomfortable with that. I was talking to one guy. He says, you know, I, I don't care to know how I die, but I just want to know where I die. And I thought that was kind of a weird thing. Like, why would you want to know where I die? He says, so I'll never visit there. Mike touche. All right, <laughs> makes sense. But I don't think I need to spend a lot of time this morning talking about the hope and death because I think honestly, for the last fifty years, the church at large has done a really good job preparing people for that moment where they leave this earth. I, I believe the church has done a really good job that that a lot of people feel comfortable and confident that hey. When I'm in that box, when people are coming to celebrate my life, I know I'm good. I know I'm with God. I know I'm in heaven. I know I'm living forever. And that Jesus came to to pay the price for my sin so that I could be made right with God. But it's the second point I want you to write this down. the, The other side of the coin that, in my opinion, we haven't done a really good job as a church really building this into the followers of Jesus. And that is hope in life. It's the hope in life. And how I know we haven't done a really good job is I talk to people every week that come to church and and that profess Jesus as, as their Lord and their Savior, but they're living in this disappointment and this hopelessness that Jesus died to get off of them. And see, what a lot of people miss is that Jesus died to get you into heaven, but he resurrected to get heaven inside of you. So that this hope and death isn't like, once I have Jesus in my life, I'm going to park myself on the sideline and just wait to die, because that's what I'm supposed to do, right? Jesus died for my sins, so I'm just here. I'm going to live the rest of my life, and I'm waiting for that moment to die. No, God, Jesus didn't come to this earth so that you could just wait on the sideline to die so you can go to heaven. Jesus wants to be actively moving in your life right now, all the way through the time that you die. And here's what we need to realize is we're dealing with real issues in our life. We're dealing with family things. We're dealing with job things. We're dealing with health things. We're dealing with financial things. I mean, if I were to sit here and have coffee with you this week, you could probably go over a list of things that you have going on in your life that's making you and your family a little uncomfortable right now. And so what we need to talk about is this hope in life, because I don't care what disappointment you're facing right now. God is greater than that disappointment. I don't care what kind of hopelessness you may be feeling right now, that Jesus is stronger than that hopelessness that is inside of you trying to eat you from the inside out. We need to talk about this. It's a living hope. It wants to be engaged and active with every issue that is moving in your life right now like an MMA fighter. For those of you that don't know MMA, you might know it as UFC, but one of my favorite fighters is a guy named George St. Pierre. He's retired now, but there's a picture of him. Now, I don't know if you've ever watched these guys in the octagon, but man, it's pretty brutal. It's a, it's a combat sport, but I, I like watching these guys. They're warriors. But George St. Pierre, he's at another level, he's retired now, but when he was fighting, I mean, he would just take guys out in all kinds of ways that people didn't even think were possible. And every time I get into a situation that causes me to feel disappointed, that I can kind of feel that that hopelessness kind of trying to take over my life and trying to run my life, I I think of George St. Pierre kind of standing there and say, that's kind of weird. Well, here's here's the reality. Hope is your biggest defender against the disappointments that you face in this world. And you have a George St. Pierre, you have an MMA fighter that's standing there waiting to be called on at the hardest, most difficult moment that you face as a human being. And Jesus wants to be invited into that space so that he can help you overcome whatever is trying to overcome you. Just imagine every time a marriage issue pops up, you got a defender there going, just invite me in. Come on, just tag me. Here, I'm in. I'm going after it. (laughs) Let me tell you, for you married folk, it's not easy being married. And I've been married for 26 years, and I love my wife, and and she's next door helping with the kids ministry. So if you don't see her, you know that she's over there. She, She came out last time. Uh, last service and, and was saying hi, but uh, I tell you, two weeks ago, man, we were having some kind of an argument. I don't even know what it was about anymore. I just know I was right and she was wrong. <laughs> That's all I remember about it. But a- as we were kind of talking, I, I kind of could feel like this thing was just getting worse and worse, and I could just feel like, like a, um, a tire deflating. And I could just feel the discouragement setting in. And, and I, just, I just said, I got to call a timeout here because I just got to take notice that this thing is going in a negative direction. And I got to invite God to get involved in this. And so once I called God to get involved, we prayed together. That situation probably changed within five minutes, not even exaggerating that. And then all of a sudden, we were on to something different. But in that moment, it felt like the world was just caving in. But just five minutes later, it's like there was a brand new day that was born. That's the living hope that I'm talking about this morning. It's hope not just in death, it's hope in life. Whatever difficulty you're facing, whatever disappointment that you're going through, God wants you living in this living hope. It's hope that is alive. It's hope with a heartbeat. I I like how uh, it, it talks about in the book of Hebrews. The author of Hebrews says it this way. He said, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast and one which enters within the veil where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us. This isn't just optimism. This is hope that is weighty, that is sturdy. It's like an anchor. And it's for your soul. And your soul needs an anchor just like a ship needs an anchor. Do you know why a ship has an anchor? Some of you maybe are are guys that, that love going out on boats, but you probably know the answer. But let me tell you, for those of you that are not boat people, an anchor is used primarily for two purposes. Number one, It helps keep the boat or ship from drifting. It keeps it in the area that you want it. Because if you've been in the waters, you know that it's easy for the waters to carry you into a dangerous situation quick. But the second purpose is to keep it stabilized when it's in the midst of a storm. There's a picture of all that happens on a ship or a boat that that when it is faced in a storm, that the anchor kind of helps settle that. But in order for an anchor to be able to do its job, it's gotta be big enough for the ship. Because if the anchor is not big enough, even though the ship has an anchor, the anchor is not gonna be able to help the ship out at all. And the hope that we're talking about is not optimism, it's it's not a, a, a thing, it's God. And God is the only thing that is weighty enough and sturdy enough to be able to keep you from drifting into dangerous places with your life. And we all know it's easy to drift. It's easy to drift away from God. It's easy to drift away from our marriages. It's easy to drift away from making right decisions for our life. But we also know we all face storms. We go through some hurricanes. Some of you have faced some tsunamis. You've had things, real things that have just blown in your face at 100 miles an hour. And you're like, why me? Why is this happening to my life right now? And the reality is because you're a human being. And storms hit all of us smack in the face. And the question is, and this is the most important question we could talk about this morning. And I have that on the screen for you. That is, what is your hope made out of? What is your hope made out of? Because you see, a big ship requires a big anchor. Matter of fact, I have a picture of the largest anchor that is on the planet right now. It's 75 tons. Can you imagine the ship that has this anchor? Imagine just (laughs) hoisting that anchor. 75 tons. Look at those saw teeth. It's just to bury it into the, the bottom of the ocean. But that belongs to a ship that is huge. And if you want to live a big life, you're going to need a big anchor. And God wants to be the hope that is the anchor of your soul. But what is that hope? Because a lot of us, we're clinging to things, and we haven't really thought about it, that that are are trying to play that role and trying to get you to a place where you know things are going to be okay for the future. But anything that you put your hope in outside of God is really not sturdy enough and weighty enough to get you through the storms and to keep you from drifting. Let's talk about some of those things, marriages. We know, I just talked about my own marriage. You know, It's hard sometimes. You talk about your health. Hey, I I put all my hope in my health. I don't care how many vitamins you take, you're gonna get old, it just happens. I mean, you could do the surgeries and make yourself not look as old, but you're still gonna get old. You're going to have health issues. It's going to happen. Some people put their hope in just the right education, going to the right college. That doesn't really have enough weight or sturdiness to keep you in the right place, in the right position. Having kids, not having kids. How many followers you have on Instagram? How many people like your comments on Facebook? I mean, I've seen people do crazy things and put their hope in politics, Like, if they just get the right guy or right gal in the office, listen, all government is broken. I'm not anti-government. I'm just telling you that when you just, you know, you become obsessed with this, just know that the hope of the world is not Republican or Democrat. The hope of the world is Jesus Christ and only Jesus. He is the only one sturdy enough and weighty enough to give you what you need to keep you from drifting into dangerous waters and to keep you upright in the midst of the crazy storms that you're going to face in your world. And here's kind of what we want to end with. Romans chapter 15, verses 13. Bless you. Okay. It says this, is I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, joy and peace are what is a part of this living hope. You know, we're living in an age of anxiety and there's so many people that are so anxious. And you know what anxiousness really is? It's your soul telling you that the anchor that you have in place is not sturdy enough. It's not weighty enough enough. And your soul knows it, but you may not know it. That's why the first thing that Jesus tells his followers when they see him after he was alive, after he had resurrected. This is what he tells them in John chapter 20. Later on, he says, peace be with you. See, the hope of God always has peace connected to it. So if you don't have the peace of God really moving inside of your soul, it's just an indicator that maybe you're putting your hope in the wrong thing. Because the book of Romans tells us that the source of hope is God. I like how the psalmist says this. He says in Psalm 42 verse five, he says, why am I so sad, why am I so troubled? I will put my hope in God. And once again, I will praise him, my savior and my God. See, when you face a disappointment in life, there's really three things that you can do to respond to it. Number one, you can look down and get depressed. Number two, you can look around and find somebody to blame. Or number three, you can look up and have God renew your hope in him. And I wanna give you an opportunity to do that this morning. Because as Peter and John's hope was reborn with the living hope, I believe that God is calling you this morning To have your hope reborn. And the Bible says the only way to have your hope reborn is for you to be born again. Jesus talked about this and how when you are born again, the old things pass away and behold, new things come. Today, God wants to do new things in your life. He wants to move you in new directions for your marriage. He wants to move you in new directions for your purposes of why you're even here on this planet. But you have to be born again. It's essential, as one pastor said it, to reach your human potential. So today, God's calling some of you to be born again. That means that you simply surrender your life to Jesus. And let him come and live on the inside of you as your hope that is the anchor of your soul. Would you just bow your heads and pray with me and worship band, you can come up. Fathers, we celebrate Jesus being resurrected today. God, my heart is so heavy with the burdens of disappointment that so many people are facing in this room. You told me months ago on Easter that I was to talk about hope. And it just makes sense that we can go weeks without eating, days without drinking any water. We can even go minutes without breath, but we'll only last seconds without hope. God, I pray that today hope is reborn by people becoming born again, by putting their trust and faith in Jesus. And while you're praying this morning, maybe your soul is talking to you, saying, this is what I've been trying to tell you. And this is why, my friend, you ended up here this morning because God wants to flip the script of your life. I'm not giving you this false promise that your disappointments are gonna go away. I'm here to tell you that when God gets in your life, regardless of the disappointment, (laughs) he takes death and he turns it into life. He takes defeat and he turns it into victory. He takes darkness and he replaces it with light He takes what is burned up and his ashes and he makes it beautiful again. Just look at the hills around us. Five months ago, they were charred black and they're replaced now by wildflowers. And I believe the spirit of God is speaking through me to your soul and saying, I want to do the same thing to your soul that I've done on the hills around Thousand Oaks. I want to put beauty where the ashes are. I want your hope to be reborn today. And if you want to become born again, that just simply means that you say yes to Jesus. That you want the hope in death. That that means if you were to die today, you know you'll be in heaven with God. But even just as important that you'll be alive right here on earth, letting God be your defender over everything that you face in this world. If you're ready to make that decision, I want to pray for you. I don't want to embarrass you, but but I do want to know where you're at so I I can make eye contact with you and we can pray together. If you're ready to make this decision to follow Jesus in your life, to make that next step in your faith, then right where you're sitting, would you just raise your hand and look my way? Just raise your hand. God bless you. Yeah, God bless you too. Anyone else want to join these guys? God bless you. Yeah, God bless you guys too, both of you. Anyone else? Yeah, God bless you too. Amen. Yeah, God bless you. Amen. Anyone else want to make this step today? To follow Jesus in their life. Yeah, God bless you. Well, you that raise your hand, I want you to pray this prayer after me. The rest of the church, maybe you've prayed this prayer, but maybe this is a prayer rededication. Maybe... You've been drifting yourself, and this message is pulling you back in, causing you that anchor to get its sturdiness and weightiness back in your life. Just, I want us to pray this prayer together as a church. Just pray this after me. Say, Jesus, today I give you my life. Thank you for dying for my sins so that I might go to heaven when I die. And thank you for resurrecting from the dead so that heaven may come to me while I live. Thank you for your hope being the anchor of my soul. For I declare today, you have the final say for my life. And your story for my life is way better than anything I could ask or imagine for. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hey, thank you for tuning in today to another message from Atmosphere Church. If this message has spoken to your heart, would you take a moment and share it with your friends? You can connect with us on YouTube, iTunes podcast, Facebook, Twitter, and even on Instagram. Simply do a search for Atmosphere Church through these various platforms and click either the follow or subscribe buttons. It's another great way for us to be able to stay connected with you. And until next time, we pray you'll keep the faith, spread the hope, and live the love. God bless you.